Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are starting a new series. And our new series is called Christian Essentials. Now, if you come to church today and you don't often come to church, maybe you're new and you're just trying to figure out what all of this is about. Well, guess what? You are in luck. And the reason that you are is that you're going to hear what we would consider to be Christian Essentials. Now, when I say this, I'm saying these are the basic fundamental things that we believe and the Scripture declares that every Christian person should do. These are not optional extras. These are not things that you could do if you feel like it. These are things that everyone is supposed to do. And to start this whole series off right, I want to set the parameters of this, right? I want to ground you in something that I think is incredibly important, which is the gospel, all right? Now, I I would communicate this every single week, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important, depending on where how or how we go or where we go with this series, that you understand this this next thing. You are saved by grace through faith in Christ, all right? There there is there is nothing that you could do that could add, that you could add to your salvation. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're new, hey, you just finding out about all of this. But if you're a person that believes in Jesus, doesn't matter how many good things you did this week, they're not stacking up as points for you to get into heaven. It's not really how that works. So we completely, as Christian people, we're completely saved by grace. You got that? Great. But out of that, you're supposed to do some stuff. (laughs) And that's so important that you get it that way. Because what I'm not saying is that you have to do stuff because you're a Christian. No, 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 no. You don't have to do anything. In fact, let me explain it to you like this. Christianity is not about have tos. There are no have tos. No one's forcing you. No, ho- hopefully no one forced you to be here tonight. No one forces you to make these decisions to, to, to follow Jesus, right? We don't do that. No one can do that. It's not about have to. That's not what Christianity is about. I remember when I was 21 years old and I'd gone back to church and I was, uh, you know, uh, transitioning my life. And I remember going to church on a Sunday morning and I, I think I must have spoken to my pastor one particular morning and I said to him, I said, hey, how was your weekend? He said, yeah, great. I said, what did you, uh, would you, what do pastors do at night? I don't know. What, 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 do you, what did you do? What did you do last night? And he said, oh, you know, I, well, to be honest, I just kind of got ready for today. Just kind of got prepared for today. I said, oh, okay, okay, all right, no worries. And then I saw some of the, you know, we had like the, the production team. And I said, hey guys, um, how was your weekend? Yeah, good. I said, hey, what'd you get up to uh, last night? What'd you, what'd you guys do? They're like, well, we, we kind of had an early smart so a start. So I just, you know, we didn't, we didn't really do anything. Uh, we just kind of got ready for today. I was like, oh, okay, okay, all right. Uh, creative team, how was your weekend? Great, great. Did you guys go out last night? No, no, why not? Oh, we had, like, we had church this morning, so we just had to get ready for it. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I, I, I get it. All right, I see this, right? So I realized something, that when you start to ha- take this, this, this church thing serious, right, it's going to cost you. And, and it was horrifying to me that it could cost you a Saturday night, because that was the night that I would think, that's the night where we go out. That's the night where we have fun. Uh, and I'm like, wouldn't it be a horrible existence for any full-time minister or pastor, right? I'm like, I would never, oh, I would never want that life, right? Can I tell you, for the last 10 years that Sunday morning has owned my Saturday night. Right? Now, here's the thing. No one forced me 
to make a decision to give up Saturday nights. They're still not forcing me to do it. No one makes me do that. Christianity is not about have tos, right? But what happens to us is there is a value shift. So, so the gospel is, like I said, we're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And there's this event that happens where we have this relationship with God that comes through Jesus, right? That's how it all begins. But then after that, what we're supposed to do is choose daily to follow Him. It's like every day I'm making choices to follow Jesus. Now, your choices will lead you somewhere, all right? Now, all of you are making choices. We're all making choices. And if you make the right choices, a series of good choices, they will lead you to a place where you will become spiritually mature. Let me take a moment to explain what spiritually maturity is all about, right? Or spiritual maturity. Maturity or being spiritually mature has nothing to do with your age. Nothing. I feel like Sunday night gets excited about this, right? Right? Spiritual maturity, nothing to do with your age. I have seen people who are young and are extremely spiritually mature. And I have also met people that have been in a church for years and they are still spiritually immature. They don't, they're just not applying some things to their lives. So, so this is what I really think, I, I think you need to do, right? If you want to become a spiritually mature person, you need to have a heart for God, right? And you need to start to apply His Word to your life. Now, because of that, you could be any age and become spiritually mature. Did you know, and hopefully this doesn't come as a surprise to you, that Jesus was 30 when He started His ministry. I turn 40 this year. He, thank you, He, October 2nd for anyone that just needs to know. Uh, yes. So, so Jesus is 30 when He starts His ministry, right? And, and, and He's 33 when he dies. And to me, I think that, you know, there would be a lot of people today that might think themselves, I could never join that guy's church. If Jesus started a church, there'd be a lot of people that wouldn't join because they'd say, he's too young to lead a church. He's actually God, but never mind, right? So what is, what is, <laughs> what is my point? My, my point is it can't be about age, right? I mean, geez, Jesus started his ministry in 30, died at 33. This can't be about age. It's got to be about having a heart for God and how much of His Word that we apply to our lives. Why am I saying all of these things? Because I know that the last 12 months have been a real challenge, yes, for everybody, but in the particular sphere that I deal with and work in, right, it's been particularly difficult for Christian people. I've seen this. So let me tell you what I think has happened. We are living in a uh, post-traumatic COVID stress season. Yeah. And I don't think that what COVID did is I don't think it put anything into people, right? So what it did is it just revealed what was already there. I think COVID was a, a, a stressful season that revealed what was already going on in people's lives. I think what it did is it just polarized people. It just pushed them further in the direction that they were already going. Let me tell you, show you what I mean. If you were a person that was not spiritually disciplined in the sense that you didn't, let's say that you didn't have good Bible reading habits, they probably didn't get better in ISO. 
In fact, from what I know, most people let go of the spiritual principles and practices that they were supposed to have. And we could come up with a thousand reasons why. Maybe it's because they were just connected to a community and they were just caught up in the rhythm of life. And now for the first time, they've had to rely on their own discipline to actually make those things work in their life. And they just didn't have it when it counted. And so people that didn't have a great prayer life, right? It just became more obvious in the COVID season. So as a church, one of the things that we decided was that yes, this year, our theme is grace upon grace, all right? Because that's what we know we need. But we also had this idea that it would be so important and so valuable if we as a church, as people became spiritually mature believers. So that's just so you know, this is an absolute goal, not only of the series, but of the year developing spiritually mature people. And in order to do that, you got to figure out where to start because I don't know where to begin. How do we know what that means? What we did is we came up with a, with a list of things that we thought if people were employing these spiritual principles and practices in their life, it is likely that they are a spiritually mature person because that's kind of how it works. So for example, it's not just prayer. It's like prayer and reading the Bible and being connected and going to church and all of these other things, right? And if you're doing all of these things, you're probably a spiritually mature person. But if you are only just doing one of these things, maybe you're leaning towards spiritually immature. So what we did is we sent a, a completely anonymous survey to the church because we weren't worried about individuals. We just wanted to find out who uh, or how our church was really going. And we got the responses back, right? And these were the things that we asked people. We asked people about how you're going with giving, prayer, fasting, small group, right? Just church attendance. We even included like being in your PJs, having coffee and watching it on YouTube, right? We, were, we just were like, that's cool. We get it. Like, that's what we're doing. So that's church attendance during the season. Serving, sharing your faith and reading your Bible. We discovered that on average, a bright church person was doing about half of those eight really important things. So Christian Essentials, right? This series is about completing the other half. We got it for four weeks. What we're going to do is look at the four things that people struggle to engage with the most and just focus one week on those. And I feel like as a church, if we could start to really nail these next four things, that we would be becoming more spiritually mature. That's absolutely our goal. But these were the most difficult things that people struggled with. And that's what I'm here to talk about today. So one of the things we realized that no matter what the spiritual principle or practice was, that it all begins with your heart. It all begins with your heart. Listen to Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone. That's like the outside trying to work its way in. That is the law that's etched into the stone tablets. This is trying to work its way into our hearts. And he says, I will uh, remove the heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Now, what do we see? That's New Testament. That's the Spirit of God working inside of people and it's working from the inside out. So now what do we see? We're seeing a shift with people on the inside. It's not about me obeying and me having to and meeting the standard of the law. It's God working inside of me and it's working His way out of me. And you can sort of see it in people's actions, right? I think you can tell a lot about people based on their behavior and their actions, right? So I don't know if you guys ever watched the series, um, you know, Bondi Rescue? Have you ever seen that? All right, great series, right? So... So there was this story, I don't know if you saw it, it was years ago, right? And it's about this father who actually went to 
uh, the beach with his kids. So, you know, daddy had four kids and uh, he's going for a, a swim and uh, they, they all got caught in this rip. It's horrible, right? And they started to get taken out. So the dad starts like waving his hands, right? So the Bondi rescue guys, they, they grab their surfboards and they start running out into the ocean to, to, to save this, this family, right? This dad and his four kids. And so they get out there and they, and they get to the father, right? And they're like, you okay? And he's like, yeah, but you, you got to save my kids. I've got four kids, right? And they saved him first because he was the easiest to find. But the kids, their heads are like bobbing up and down in the water. It's horrible, right? So they get him onto the board and they, they go into the beach, right? And they drag him up onto the, onto the sand, onto the beach. And then they, they're out there and that guy goes back and now they're searching for the kids, right? They start to drag the kids in. They line the kids up on the beach and there's this moment. One of the guys looks at the father. He says, I have to tell you something really, really important. He says, what? He says, we only found three of your kids. And the father says, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, three out of four? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, that ain't bad. <laughs> three out of four? That's like 75%. Gosh, it's, it's, it's over 50 though. Like, so you're telling me you got three, but you only lost one? And they're like, well, yeah. yeah. And he goes, oh, seriously? That's awesome, guys. Well done. Great work, right? Did you see that episode? No, because it never happened. <laughs> It never happened. What kind of father would say something like that about his kids, right? What kind of dad would say that? That's crazy. And, and even as I say it, you're like, why would you even say that? That is sick, right? How can you be so casual about death? It's a really good point. How can we be so casual about people's demise? And if we think that death on earth is super important, how could we be so casual about people's eternal dwelling place? We know people everywhere in all spheres of our lives. We're surrounded by them. And we are sometimes just so casual about this message called the gospel and getting it into the hearts and minds of people that we walk by every single day. How could we be so casual about eternal separation from God? How could we be so casual about it? This is unimaginably important for us to share this gospel message. I found some research recently. There is a, a, a research group called Barna. They did a study in 2019. So this is only a couple years ago. They, they researched and they did a study on this group of millennials. And they discovered that nearly half of millennial practicing Christians say, it's morally wrong to share your faith. You've just got to keep it to yourself. Your faith is private. Keep it between you and God, but don't share it. Don't start to go out there and start to change people's lives, right? And I thought that that was really weird because they asked the same group of people a second question and, and two-thirds of those millennials believed that being a witness about Jesus is part of their faith. And that just didn't make sense to me. It just didn't make sense. And when I read this and I think to myself, you know, it says that 65% of them believed that 
witnessing about Jesus as part of their faith, we might go, oh, 65%, that's not bad. My question is, what do the other 35% even think? Where are they at? It's weird. Half of them think it's wrong and two thirds of them think they need to do it. And apparently one third, they don't know what they think. I look at this and I think, honestly, these guys are more confused than a termite and a yo-yo. They don't have a clue what Christianity is all about. Hey, look at Jesus' last words. Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news that God loved you, sent His only Son to pay the penalty for your sins on the cross. And if you put your faith and trust in Him, you will go on to eternal life with Him. Right? Preach that message to all creation. You got to get this message out there. Why? Because it's salvation to those who believe. So we share the message with all creation and there's a portion of these people that will believe and it is salvation to them. And what about the other people? What do we do with them? Well, let me start here. Here's what we don't do. We don't force. And we don't convert. We can't make people do anything. Remember, Christianity is not about have-tos. It's not about forcing people to do anything. It's about just presenting this incredibly important message that God loves them. This is such an important thing for us to do. This is why Jesus made it one of the last things that He said. You remember, this was one of the last things that He said to His disciples. And you know what I think about that? If you consider yourself to be a Jesus follower, that makes you a disciple of Jesus, which means I think by implication that if He spoke to His disciples and He said that His disciples are meant to preach the good news to all creation, I think that that includes you if you're a follower of Jesus. I think it has to include you which takes it out of the realm of this is just a job that special people within the church do. Some elite crack team that we have no idea. Who are these people? Isn't that the job of the evangelist, right? You know what even worse than that? It's like, yeah, I have my faith, but the church, they're the ones that do the witnessing. Gosh, you are the church. You are the church. We are the church. This is who we are as people. So when he said that His disciples were meant to preach the good news to all creation. He took it out of the realm of a special elite team and He made it a what? A Christian essential. This is a basic and fundamental essential that every Christian is supposed to engage in. That obviously includes you. The, the, the problem with this, right? The problem with this is that if you have been in church for honestly, like five minutes, you already know this. You, you know, you know, I know you know. You know, I know, you know, you know. You know this, you know this. You know this message. You already know that this is what the Bible says. Honestly, sometimes I'm preparing a message and I think to myself, right, what am I going to say to people? 
I don't know how many times I've preached a message on evangelism or sharing your faith in the last 10 years. I can't imagine, right? But apparently the presentation of more information about what you already know is not helpful enough to get people to actually do it. So I thought, what am I going to say, right? Everyone already knows this. Telling you what you already know doesn't necessarily help. I already know you know. You know, I know, you know. We know. We, we know that this is important, right? The problem is it's old news. It's old news. It's like, yeah, I know about that. I know I've heard it all before. I know that we're supposed to be doing that. I've, I get it. No, don't get me wrong. Like, I understand the information, right? I, you know what I think? I think that the Western church is probably the most overeducated group of people on the planet. We know so much. And there are nations around the world where they will memorize scriptures because if they get caught with a Bible, they'll be executed for having it. And we have them everywhere. We can keep them on our bookshelves, on our bedside tables. We have access to so much information. You know what I think good preaching is? Sometimes preaching, you want to come to church and hear something new and insightful, right? And something that you've never heard before. The truth is, sometimes good preaching is just telling you to do what you already know. Just start to do what you already know. I don't think what we need, maybe for the rest of tonight, is I don't think we need more information. I think, you know what we need? We need a heart for this message. We need a heart for the stuff that I'm talking about. You know, I, when, I, when I gave my life to Jesus the second time, which is not a thing, <laughs> right? But I remember when I came back to church and I had an encounter with God and there was this moment where I realized what had happened to me. And I was just so grateful, you know? I realized that suddenly... I was saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And God still wanted me when I felt like there was nothing about me that would be desirable to Him. He still wanted me. I was so grateful in that moment. And then I had a thought. And my thought was something like this, like, I'm going to be okay. But what about the other people that I know that don't know this? And it occurred to me, my gosh, this is very important. We, we have to tell people about this. We, we have to tell everyone about this, right? Now, now I have, a, I have an active imagination. Sometimes it honestly just carries me away, right? So this next part is true, right? I, I don't mind telling you, I was emotionally affected about this. I had this sort of daydream in my mind where I started to think, you know, at the end of my life, so I go and I meet God and everything's okay, and I come in to eternal life. Great. But then I thought, what about my friends? <laughs> and, and, and maybe with my lack and depth of understanding, I didn't know how to piece it together. So in my um, dream, uh, people were arriving pretty much on a conveyor belt, and, and so they were arriving one by one, and I sort of would look, and, and some of these people were my friends, and, and they came up, and they saw God, and God looked at them, and He said, you can't come in. Away you go, Right? And there was this moment where they looked over at me and I looked at them and they had this look in their eyes and we couldn't quite communicate, but they looked at me 
and their eyes said it all. They said, why didn't you just tell me about this? I mean, we were friends for years. You could have said something, like anything. I don't know what I would have done with it if you had told me, but, but now I see that you're here and well, I'm being turned away and you could have said something. Now my eternal dwelling place is in this dark and cold place, right? But you, you're there and I'm here and I can't cross from here to there. You could have told me, you could have said something, right? And this affected me on a deep and profound level. When I had this thought, it flicked the switch in me. I said, I've got to tell everyone about this. What had happened, right? No one told me I had to tell people. You know what happened? I had a value shift. No one forced me. No one made me. I just thought this is the most important thing. In fact, you know what I thought? I thought, this is so important. I had such a value shift that I thought, I don't want to just like do this part-time. I want to do this full-time. I'm going to give all of my life to this. This is the most important thing I could ever do with my life. It's just share this, this message. You know, when your heart begins to align with God's heart, it also breaks for the things that breaks God's heart. And nothing breaks God's heart like seeing the lost walk away. So when we're close to God, it's like our hearts break for that same thing. I've been watching this series on Netflix. It's called Spycraft. It's very cool. And it's about all this spy gear and tech gear that, that, you know, the Russians used to spy on the Americans and then the Americans would use it to spy on the Russians and they'd try to get at each other. But there's this episode devoted to this particular style of espionage. And what they do is that they would send over a spy to live in another country to live what was a seemingly normal life. And what they would do is they would intentionally get close to someone who was in a position where they would work alongside another person who had access to, um, you know, security documents, that kind of a thing. And so they would form a relationship with this person and they would actually get this person to fall in love with them. And the idea would be that they would eventually marry this person, right? And the whole time, right, this person thinks that this other, you know, person loves them, right? They're just a spy from Russia, you know? <laughs> like, you know and, 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 and eventually, this whole relationship comes down to this one moment, years into the marriage, where they would say, finally, listen, I'm going to be called back to Russia. And the only way that we can avoid it is if you start to steal those secret documents and give them to me. If you don't do this, right, they will send me back. Now you would think at this point that the person would be like horrified and shocked and they'll say, our relationship is a sham and you are a Russian spy, you know, and you'd think that this would be the thing that they do, right? Do you know what they discovered? No one ever says that. And the reason that they don't say it is because they are in love. And that's why this form of espionage works so well. Because love will make people do what is ordinarily a thing that they would never do. When somebody loves another person, love makes people do crazy things, right? And we already know this. We celebrate this in church every single week, right? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him will never perish but have eternal life. 
It was love that drove God to sacrifice His only Son. It was love for people. We see how impacting love is. It's so important that we understand this. And the reason why is that you've got to understand that God so loved the world that He didn't just send His Son, He also sent you. you got to see yourself as sent. you got to. It's a total mind shift. So here's what happens. You're, you're, you're just in your normal job. You're just like, hey, I'm just a regular person, right? And this is my, this is my uh, basketball uh, team, and this is uh, my work group, and this is, you know, and you start to go around. You've got all these different circles, social circles around you, but you become a Christian, and you realize suddenly, sovereignly, you've been placed there by God, and now you are sent to all the people that are around you. You must see yourself as sent. It just seems like random, but God knew what was going to happen with your life. And He's got you there for a reason. you got to see yourself as sent. Listen to what Romans 10, 14 says. How then, will we, how then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Like just logically, that makes sense. <laughs> right? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? Again, so practical. Thank you, Paul. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Makes sense to me. And how are they to preach unless they are what? Sent. sent. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. I love that last part. I started to really think about that last part. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. And I realized that when I, when I read that, I, I realized that that was what God says about us. And the reason why that's important is because you need to get your affirmation from God. Here's why. Because there's going to be a group of people out there who think it's morally wrong for you to share your faith, right? But I guess you just got to decide who you're trying to please in life. I guess you just got to decide whose opinion matters most. You know what God says about you? You have beautiful feet. Your feet. Just look at the person next to you and say, it's true. You have, you have beautiful feet. Many of you are lying. Your, your feet are ugly, you know. Do you know why it says your feet are beautiful? It's because they carry you. And wherever you go, this message of grace called the gospel goes with you. So it's like your feet are beautiful because they carry you into a room and you can shift it in a moment by beginning to speak life and value into people and presenting a message that can completely transform and change people's lives. Can I tell you something? Never be ashamed of the gospel. Never be ashamed of the gospel. Firstly, it's the most positive, uplifting encouraging, inclusive message that you will ever hear anywhere on the planet because you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Never be ashamed of that message. You know what Jesus says? He says, if you're ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of you. I told you I have an active imagination, right? So I started to think about that. I started to think, how would that actually go down? You know, like in heaven, how would that actually go down? I started to think about it. Imagine if I, I came before God and, you know, there He is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I meet them all. It's at the end of my life. 
and uh, and I go in and I go, hey guys, and you know Jesus is like, hey, hey, and I'm like, how are you, buddy? He's like, don't you buddy me? Don't you don't don't even say that, right? And the Holy Spirit says, Jesus. Is this guy with you? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, this guy? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Gosh, yes, he's with me, right? Jesus, I don't know if you know this. Jesus knows. He knows everything, right? You know that. Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but this guy Every time people asked him, you know, if, whether he was a Christian, you, you realize that he always just shrunk back. I don't know if you know that, Jesus. He knows. I don't know if you know about this guy, but every time there was an opportunity to share his faith, he always said, I'll save it for another time. I'm just going to get a little bit deeper in the culture. I'm too concerned about what my high school friends think about, and I haven't seen them in years, but it would really matter to me what they would think about my Facebook profile if I was to share something about God. Like, I just, you know, did you know that all these things were going through his head? And because of all of that, every time there was an opportunity for him to advance the kingdom and share his faith, that he always shrunk back. He never admitted who he was, right? All of his Christianity was all in secret. And Jesus would be like, yes, I know, I know. I already know this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that would be like? And you know, the thing is, it's like some of you, even as you're hearing this, maybe your thought is, gasp, what does this mean for me? Like, so if I never share my faith, does that mean that I that I won't get into heaven, right? Oh, no, 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 no. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. I already told you, you can't add anything to that. And the worst reaction that you could have at this very moment to what I said was the reaction where you say internally, oh, thank God. So you're saying that I could actually get away with this then. You're saying that I could get away with a life where I never have to be honest about who I am, that I could always keep it private, that I could always be silent, but I'm still getting in. Yeah, you will still get in, but you're just going to disappoint Jesus so, so much to the point where He'd be totally ashamed of you. And I would ask you, does that even matter to you? Does it matter? Does it matter that God would literally be disappointed, ashamed of the fact that you, I mean, gosh, He he laid down His life for this. He gave everything to the, the world for this purpose. And all He asked people to do would be to just share about the sacrifice that He made. I think people that uh, don't know God would be more open to having more conversations if we were just a little bit more open with absolutely no expectations on them. We're not trying to close people in a minute. I don't know what you think this thing is where we share our faith, right? It's just presenting this message that God loves people. In fact, I, I've thought this for years, but actually when I was doing some reading for this message, I discovered that they asked a group of people that were not Christians and they said, hey, what would you look for in a person that you could talk about 
faith with, right? So people that don't believe in God, 62% said, I just want someone that listens without judgment. 50% says, I just want someone who doesn't try to force a conclusion in that conversation. Just want to find out a little bit more. And I thought, you know, we could do that. We can do that. Gosh, if this is what most of them are looking for, we, we can do that. You know, I, I, I'd probably tell this story maybe once a year, but I think it's a good story. You know, 2017, I'm over in Alabama and I am at, uh, going, went to a church conference and I was just totally moved by this message about reaching people that are far from God. Because you should know this means so much to me. You know, I, the only reason I, the only reason that I really wanted to ever become a pastor was to just reach the lost. That, I don't, that, there might be a lot of p- things driving different people. That's mine. I care about that more than anything, right? So I'm moved by this moment that we have. And I go back to the hotel room and it's kind of late. So I'm praying that Bright Church will be a soul winning church. If you want someone to know Jesus, you bring them here, right? Well, don't get me wrong. You just talk to them yourself. But also bring them here. So I'm praying for it and I'm being very, very spiritual. I mean, you don't get more spiritual than prayer, right? It's quite spiritual. So I'm being very spiritual. But I realize I'm not exactly being practical, right? So I could pray for, for people to know Jesus, you know, all day. But really what He wants is for me to just be His hands and feet half of the time, right? So I said, well, praying is not actually going to get the job done just from here. I've actually got to get out of my hotel room and, and, and see somebody and, and, and reach them. So I decide that I'm going to do that. So I just leave the hotel room at about 10.30 at night and think, gosh, I don't know what's open, but I'm just going to go down there and no pressure. I'm just going to, you know, be myself. And if a conversation happens to be there and the opportunity presents itself, then I'll do everything I can to help somebody know about who God is. So I go down, there's the hotel, um, you know, the, the only thing that was open was the bar. So I go into the bar and there's people in there and I sit up at the bar and I order a drink and this guy hears my accent and he says, hey, are you from Australia? I said, I am from Australia. And he says, oh, you know, I'm just watching the hockey and I'm like trying to be interested in hockey, right? Because I'm just not, you know, but I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll be interested in whatever you want, you know. And, and, and so, but then I said to the guy, I say, hey, so tell me, like, what are you doing here? And he says, well, actually, I'm a traveling salesperson. I said, are you? He said, yes, I am. I said, geez, you must be pretty good if you're, you know, moving around. They're putting you up, you know, in this hotel and all the rest of it. He goes, actually, I'm exceptional. I said, wow. I said, all right, well, uh, what do you, what do you do? He says, well, I actually train teams of salespeople. I train teams of salespeople uh, to sell what I consider to be a really difficult product. I said, wow, you must be amazing. He said, I am. I said, what do you actually sell? He says, life insurance. I said, what? I said, that's crazy. I don't believe it. He said, why is that? I said, because we have the same job. He goes, are you serious? I said, yes. He goes, what do you sell? What do you do for work? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. He goes, I see what you did there. I said, yeah, we both kind of have a similar job. So, so we start speaking. I said, hey, so tell me about yourself. I said, what are you, you're a Christian guy. You go to church. What's the story with you, right? He goes, no, I don't, I don't go to church. 
I, I, I don't like to even speak to people about church. I said, why not? He said, well, the thing is, I told you, I'm really good salesperson. I've thought my way through Christianity. I realize some of you guys need it. It's a bit of a crutch. It's cool. But what I don't want to do is I don't want to speak to anyone because I think I'm so convincing that I would literally talk someone out of their faith. I said, you are so lucky. He said, why? I said, oh man. I said, life has afforded you an opportunity that you might not get again. See, I believe in what I'm talking about so much, it is inconceivable that you could possibly talk me out of it. Do you know what that means? He says, no, what? I said, you get to ask me for one night only any question that you want through any negative, all the shade that you want at Christianity without the fear of ever having to worry that you could talk me out of it. He says, all right, well, come on, let's go. So we start to speak about it. We're talking about the church. We're talking about history. We're talking about evolution. The conversation goes for two hours. We're just sitting there talking. And just so you get a picture of how engaged she was in this conversation, and like, I don't want to offend anyone. Sorry if this does, but I'm just going to try to paint this picture with a couple of words. There is some hot chick sitting on the other side of the bar. The whole time that we're speaking, she's looking at him, trying to get his attention. Maybe six times going, come on, let's go. She wants to take this guy out for a smoke. For two hours, this nicotine addicted individual is going, nope, 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 right? Why would he want to spend any time with her when he could just talk to me? Come on, this, like, this is such a better offer than some hot shit. Right, you get what I'm saying. And he says at the end of that conversation, he says, this is, and this is a direct quote. He says, this is the best conversation I've ever had in my life. He said, I'm serious about that. And he's a sales guy. He's had a lot of conversations. I don't think he minced his words. He says, this is the best conversation I have ever had in my life. And the reason it was so good, it was safe. I'm not trying to close him. I wasn't trying to complete the picture. What I am trying to do is let him know that there is a God that has seen every single thing about him and loves him in spite of it. And he said to me, he goes, well, you know what? He says, <laughs> I remember thinking one thing at the start of our conversation. And he said, I don't know what I think right now. He says, but boy, since you've given me so much to think about. And with that, he walked away. I didn't see him again. Now, I don't know where he was, but I think I moved him all the way up the scale to a point where he was so much closer to God than he ever was before, right? <sighs> Guys, this is so important. I mean, well, honestly, what are we going to say? We get to the end of our lives and God says, hey, how did you go with all the Christian essentials, all the stuff that I said really clearly that you heard in church a thousand times that you were supposed to do? How'd you go with that? And you say, well, look, the truth is a little bit awkward. So I just, you know, I just never really did that. I just think about that and I think, you know, I, I just can't say that. I won't say that. I'll never say that to God. I think what we got to do is take every opportunity we can to get this life-giving message into the hands of people that have never heard it. Here's what I want to do. I just want to pray. I want to pray for people tonight that God fills you with courage. And you know, honestly, that we don't get comfortable ignoring what God considers essential. Father, I thank you for every person that's in this room. 
I don't need to see a response with hands tonight because I know that you've already called every single person in this room who's a believer in you. I know you've called them to do this thing. God, I pray that, Lord, that your opinion about us would be the one that matters most. That this life that we're living, we'd live for you alone. That we wouldn't fear the rejection of other people, the wrong people, people that don't, that don't even believe in you, that we wouldn't even worry about that that we would live for your opinion of us, for that audience of one. And I pray, God, that you'd fill every single person in this room with courage to share this life-giving, encouraging message with every single person that they can. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.